Coming up on Studio Berlin. What we want in Berlin is an infrastructure that makes cycling um, comfortable and safe for everyone, not just people that are um, very used to it. Berlin's mobility law came into effect in the summer of 2018. It was designed to improve the way we move around the city, to make it safer. So where are we now? We are lagging behind with all the goals of having a vision zero, so no accidents anymore. And what are cycling advocates saying needs to change? Cars are part of the traffic in cities, but they should act as guests. That's up next on Studio Berlin. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Berlin, our current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. Each week on this program, we take a closer look at the events and issues shaping our lives here in Germany's capital. I'm your host, Sylvia Cunningham. On today's show, we're talking about bicycle safety in Berlin. In the first six weeks of 2020, five cyclists were killed in road traffic, propelling cycling advocates to demand more protection for people on their bikes. So today we will be looking at the city's cycling infrastructure and Berlin's mobility law. When the law came into force in 2018, it was meant to mark a paradigm shift in the city's transport policies. So where are we now? Joining me in the studio is Yulia Yaris. She researches mobility and urban development at the Institute of Transport Research at the German Aerospace Center in Berlin. Welcome. Hi, thank you. And with us on the phone is Nicolas Link. He is a spokesperson for the German National Cyclists Association, ADFC for short, which is a nonprofit with more than 145,000 members nationwide. Hi, Nicolas. Hey, how are you doing? Nicolas, let's start with you. How often would you say you're on your bike? Well, I use my bike uh, for every trip I, I make, so I, uh, I ride it uh, on a daily basis, actually. And what do you like about cycling in Berlin? Well, I like um, pretty much everything about cycling. Um, it just gives me another view um, when I go uh, through the city. Um, I like the fresh air. I like um, the movement. And also, it's um, in many cases um, the fastest and most practical way um, to go through the city. And for me, cycling in Berlin is um, quite comfortable. But um, then again, I'm quite trained for cycling in Berlin and I'm young. And um, what we want in Berlin is an infrastructure that makes cycling um, comfortable and safe for everyone, not just the people that are um, very used to it. Right. So you're a competent cyclist. You're used to it. What are some of the downsides for your average cyclist? Well, actually, many uh, streets in Berlin um, don't have um, their own space for cyclists, don't have um, cycle lanes and um, only space for cars because the city, as um, all the cities in Germany and also in other countries, um, were designed mainly for um, cars back in the 50s after the Second World War. People thought that um, cities should be designed um, for car traffic mainly and this would be the solution for many problems. And for some time that uh, went okay, but um, nowadays our cities are growing very rapidly, um, especially Berlin is growing very rapidly. So there are more and more people living in Berlin and uh, more and more people um, are mobile in the city and especially in the inner city. So um, what happens is that we are stuck in traffic. 
that people um, cannot move um, anymore because um, the streets are just too crowded by cars. So um, we need um, to look for other more efficient ways of transport, which are um, walking, cycling and public transport, of course. And, and these modes of transport are also solutions for many other problems, to, um, such as um, the clean air and also, of course, the climate change. Yulia, you research um, city mobility. Tell us a little bit about your research. What are you working on? Yeah, so um, together with Sophia Becker, I'm leading a research group which is called Experi. And um, we are analyzing how the transport transition can succeed. And we take Berlin as, a, as an example, um, as a case study, because we have this new mobility law since 2018 in Berlin. And now we are evaluating what's going on with this mobility law and what changes we can perceive in the urban structure. And so our goal is to promote active transport modes, so cycling and walking, and to change the urban structure, give less space to cars and more space to people. Through your research, what are you seeing has been implemented? What is lagging behind with Berlin's mobility law? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we only have this mobility law since one year and a half, more or less. And we see a few changes, especially in districts like Mitte, Friedrichshain-Kreuzberg and Neukölln. We see protected um, bike lanes, but then also lots of other districts, there are no changes so far. And so we are lagging behind with all the um, goals of having a vision zero, so no accidents anymore, having a climate neutral transport system in Berlin and also promoting active transport modes in general. Um, but it also takes time because positions have to be filled um, at the administrative level. So that takes time and we hope that in the next years we will see more changes, more visible changes on the streets. I spoke with Tino Schopf. He is the transport speaker for the SPD faction in Berlin's city parliament, the Abgeordneten House. So let's hear what he had to say about where we are with the mobility law. We adopted the law two years ago. Now we're taking the next steps. Of course, I understand people who complain that things are taking too long, who say, why haven't you done this yet? Or why haven't you done that yet? But we've hired the staff, now we need to train them up. And it takes time to plan these bicycle lanes. We're looking to start building the first bicycle highways in 2021. So we just heard Tino Schoff, member of the Abgeordneten House, and he understands that people are getting a little bit impatient, but he points out that this kind of work does take time. Nicolas, are you satisfied with this answer? Well... <sighs> Not really, because um, well, some parts are true of uh, what he just said. Um, of course, yeah, I'd say that the structure for the change has to be built right now, but also um, the changes that are made in the administration right now are going too slow, and there's not like a yeah, like a good uh, time planning for it. Also, we do not only have one authority in Berlin that is responsible for mobility. It's not only the Senate, we also have 12 districts in Berlin. So we basically have 13 authorities that are responsible for mobility and transport, which makes it very complicated. And the situation in the different um, districts um, is very um, different. So we have a couple of districts that are um, quite motivated and making changes quite fast. 
but um, other districts are clearly not motivated to make any change. And this is not only a matter of not having the uh, resources or people who are planning bike lanes, for example, this is also a matter of actually be willing to um, change um, the, the space in the city to take away space from car traffic and, and create safe space for cycling, walking and public transport. Maybe just to add, yeah, I totally agree because also it's normal that all those structural changes takes lots of time and also it's pretty cost intensive. But then there are also temporary changes that are possible and also changes like barriers or things like that that we could do much faster. So temporary changes, barriers, what else is there? Also like car-free areas for a temporary time. Nicholas, what kind of input did your organization, ADFC, have in creating this mobility law? Were you actively involved in it? Uh, yes, we were. I mean, the, the, the whole change that we see now actually um, started with the referendum in 2016, which led to more than 100,000 people signing a referendum for um, a bicycle-friendly city. So we had the situation that many people in Berlin wanted to cycle and were actually already cycling here, but the infrastructure was and is um, not sufficient for it. So um, with more than 100,000 people signing this, um, the elections uh, came 2016 and we had a new um, government in Berlin. And this government promised um, that um, they would um, create this mobility act in order to make the city more friendly for walking, cycling and public transport. And then they um, founded a so-called mobility committee where for the first time in Germany actually um, this kind of law was um, written or prepared by administration, by politicians, but also by um, NGOs such as the ADFC and, and to other NGOs. So we were actually actively um, um, involved in creating this mobility act. And 2016, when that referendum came about, that was a high point um, in the number of cyclist deaths that we were seeing. The Berlin police recorded 19 deaths. There have been five so far in the first six weeks of 2020. So for context, that's nearly as many cyclists who were killed in traffic incidents through all of 2019, so through all of last year. Have Berlin streets become more dangerous for cyclists compared to previous years, or have there been improvements? How do we measure this? Um, no, they have not um, become more dangerous, but also they have not become more safe. Um, it's pretty much the same. Um, we have to um, say that the number of deaths are is not statistically, um, I think it's significant, the word. So it's more the number of seriously injured people that you have to take into account in order to see if the streets are being more safe or not. And the number of deaths has a lot to do with yeah, coincidence, I would say. So, um, yeah, there's, a, there's, there's, there's many hundreds seriously injured people every year in Berlin. And we can say that over the past years and decades, cycling has not become more dangerous, but also not become more safe. And also there are more cyclists uh, in general. So, for example, in January, we saw um, there are counting stations in Berlin and the city center especially located and um, in January there were 200,000 cyclists um, registered at those um, counting points. So um, this is, uh, if we compare it with a city like Rostock, that would be the number of inhabitants. So there are lots of cyclists even in winter in January and in August it would be even uh, the double of it. 
And that is exactly what the city wants. They want to see more cyclists, but it is a question of how do you make the streets safer for them? We are going to take a short break. When we come back, we will be zeroing in on one weekly demonstration in Berlin, Charlottenburg. And then we'll be zooming out, talking about how Berlin compares to other cities in Europe. That is after the break here on Studio Berlin. Stay with us. Hey, you. You've been hearing and reading the news all day. So what are you getting out of it? Are you smarter, more informed, better prepared for your dinner party later tonight? Well, The Takeaway has you covered. We ask the tough questions, we hold lawmakers accountable, and if something just doesn't seem right, we ask, how did we get here? It's The Takeaway with me, Tanzina Vega. Tune in to The Takeaway weeknights at 6 on 104.1 KCRW Berlin. Welcome back to Studio Berlin on 104.1 FM. I'm Sylvia Cunningham. Today we're talking about bike safety in Germany. In the first part of our show, we looked at Berlin's mobility law and how bike-friendly the city is and is trying to be. With me in the studio is Julia Yaris, a mobility researcher at the Institute of Transport Research. And on the phone is Nicolas Link from ADFC, the German National Cyclist Association. So what we hear now is from Guten Morgen Berlin, which is a weekly demonstration on Kranzstrasse in Charlottenburg. It was organized after a cyclist was killed there in early February. I spoke with the organizer, Heinrich Strussenreuter, and I asked him what the Berlin Senate should be doing. They just have to deliver. There is nothing new. They had the, the chance to build everything what they wanted. They had the f- total support of the initiatives of the cycling clubs. They just don't deliver. So how comfortable do you feel driving on, for example, Kanzstrasse with your bike? As like a 50-year-old guy, I feel anxious on the Kudam, the very famous Kudam. It's, uh, it's a place where I know many, many people who don't dare to ride the bicycle. We just heard Heinrich Strussenreuter, an organizer of a weekly demo, um, saying that he feels not safe riding in parts of West Berlin and Charlottenburg. We talked about how there are discrepancies between different neighborhoods in Berlin. Is Charlottenburg one of the more dangerous areas in Berlin to cycle around? I wouldn't say so. I would say that Kanstrasse, unfortunately, is um, a very typical street in Berlin. So it's not only one street or it's not only a handful of streets that we have to change in Berlin. It's actually um, the whole city we have to change. And a street like Kanstrasse, um, we find it in many places in Berlin. But of course, it's, um, it's very good that um, people are meeting there now every Monday to make this street safer, especially after this horrible accident we had. Yeah, in general, we see in Berlin that we still have this car-oriented infrastructure that was also built after the Second World War. So there are lots of big streets, like we can see Bundesallee, Kantstraße. And now the modal split changes. 18% of all trips are made by bike in the inner city of Berlin, and 17% of all trips are made by car. So we have a higher share of trips by bike, but still the whole infrastructure is adapted to cars. And we would have to change this to balance the modal share also to the consumption of space. And what we see there on Kanstrasse, and as you both mentioned in other streets in Berlin, is that there is a parking lane on the right 
but then cars do double park, which means that there's only one lane left for cars and for cyclists. So they have to go and merge with the driving cars. So that is what they, these organizers are are suggesting that needs to change is that there needs to be a designated bike lane, a designated parking lane, and then the lane that the cars drive in. Now, I also spoke to a man who he lives around the corner um, from Konstras in Charlottenburg, and he says there are parts of the city that have good lanes for cyclists, but it does differ from neighborhood to neighborhood. But he was excited about the prospect of these new Radschnellverbindungen. Uh, Nicolas, can you quickly explain what these are? Well, the Radschnellverbindungen, or maybe cycling highways, as you would say in English, are um, connections um, that are connecting the inner city with the outer city especially um, yeah, places you, that people go often, that people um, commute. And um, these highways are designed to um, make uh, trips faster. So you have um, less stops, or if you have um, junctions, then the um, cyclists have preference, for example. And also the highways are quite wide and they go in both directions and are designed to um, make um, also uh, longer trips, uh, more than five or six kilometers, which is, um, yeah, which is a distance that um, less people are cycling usually, um, that makes these longer trips also comfortable um, to cycle. And Infravelo is the company that was set up by the Berlin Senate to manage the actual construction end of, of these Radschnellverbindungen. And they are currently in a 30-month period of planning, getting the permits. Construction won't start until early as 2022. Let's go to what Lothar Finkenstein had to say. He's the man who lives around the corner from Kanzstrasse in Charlottenburg. Die ganze Zeit wird ja diskutiert über diese Schnellverbindung, dass man so eine Art äh, Fahrradstraße macht. There have been discussions for a while now about creating a high-speed bicycle lane or a bicycle highway connecting the eastern and western side of the city. That would be fantastic. Other big European cities established those kinds of bike lanes years ago. I'm angry because Berlin is so slow to act and because the city isn't willing to copy what works in other places. It's like a kind of arrogance. Berlin is basically saying, we know everything there is to know, we don't need any advice. But in reality, we haven't got a clue what we're doing. Let's pick up on this point. Um, comparing Berlin to other cities in Europe, where does Berlin stand? Julia, let me give that question to you. Yeah, so um, I also see that for a capital, uh, compared to other cities like Paris and also London, um, we don't take that many measures in Berlin. We are far behind. And so Berlin should be more courageous to take on measures. Um, there are examples like Oslo, for example, where we didn't have any traffic accident last year among cyclists and pedestrians. There was only one traffic accident. Um, yeah, there was a car driver. And they take measures like um, cutting speed limit, car-free zones, less parking space for cars. So that's really an overall package of measures. And also they have a different vision. Their vision is really that cars are part of the traffic in cities, but they should act as guests. So it's not the main thing that cars are the main transport mode, but they should act as guests and look behind yeah, after all other transport modes. It's a very good point what uh, Julia says. Um, what Berlin is, or what the authorities in Berlin are afraid of right now is to actually reduce car traffic and make car traffic or driving cars more uncomfortable and slower 
and um, that's what politicians are still afraid of um, to make it um, yeah less 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 comfortable to go by car they want to make um, cycling and walking and everything more attractive but without um, losing um, people um, who want to um, go by car and this doesn't work so we need to look to uh, Paris we need to look to the um, Scandinavian countries um, who are already doing this and who are already making um, car traffic actually reducing car traffic in the city why are politicians afraid to reduce car traffic? Because they're afraid to um, lose votes of the people who still want to go by car. And this is also just yeah, a cultural thing in Germany. I think that um, we have a strong car industry here. We have a very strong culture of um, driving cars here. And this is um, also the case in Berlin. Um, we have uh, an increasing number of cars in Berlin every year, although um, we have this um, model share that um, Julia explained. There are people uh, who want to go by car and um, many politicians think if we reduce, um, for example, the space for parking your car, they are being less popular. And also um, what I'm ob observing in some parts of the city, that's not um, everywhere, but I think that um, residents even have stronger demands for car-free or car-reduced areas than politicians think. But sometimes in media, there are some like very loud voices who are against less parking space or against car-free or car-reduced areas. So in the media, we get this picture of people don't want it. But then oftentimes there's a majority of people, like we saw, for example, in Bergmannstraße, a survey was conducted there, and the majority of people actually wanted those parklets in the end. For people who don't know, can you explain a little bit more about Bergmannstraße? Yeah, so there was a test laboratory for one year. There were parklets installed, so benches instead of parking space. And it was installed in winter or in autumn winter. So in the beginning, it was not used that much because people didn't want to sit outside. But then in summer, it was used a lot. They didn't have to consume anything in cafes. They were just sitting there, chatting, reading, whatever they wanted to do. And then this whole um, yeah, experiment was blocked. So now they um, reinstalled it. But there was also a petition from the residents now to have a car-reduced area in the whole Bergmann Kiez, so which is supposed to be the first superblock um, of Berlin, less through traffic. And I think this summer probably we will see some new steps to this and have uh, the first installation of barriers against through traffic. Interesting to follow. I want to just return once more to something Tino Schopf, uh, again, the transport speaker for the SPD faction in the Berlin parliament. He wants to support cyclists, but he also has to think about all his constituents, everybody who's part of mobility. So also pedestrians, also people who take public transportation and also car drivers. You can imagine that you're in his shoes. How do you decide whom to prioritize and what factors are you considering here? Is there a hierarchy in the end? I think the hierarchy should be um, pedestrians and cyclists first. We can also observe this in cities like Zermatt, for example. We can, of course, compare Zermatt with Berlin because it's very different. It's also a touristic city, but they don't allow cars at all, only small electric vehicles for retailers. Yeah, so I think the hierarchy should be active modes because everyone can access active modes, cycling and walking. And also it's good for your health. We can save money if people cycle more or walk more. There's less noise and air pollution and also less accidents. 
Now, so every way that's made um, by active modes of transport is better for the for the rest of the city and for everyone who also travels by other modes of transport. Also, a person who wants still wants to still go by car um, is happy about um, or should be happy about every other person who's going by bike or is walking because it's one less car on the street and so he's less stuck in traffic. So for the whole city and for everyone who lives in the city, the clean air, the um, more space and all the other advantages are very important. Unfortunately, we are out of time. We have to end here. Thank you to Yulia Yaris, who researches mobility and urban development at the Institute of Transport Research at the German Aerospace Center in Berlin. Thank you. And thank you to Nicolas Link from the German National Cyclist Association, who joined us on the phone. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to Studio Berlin, our current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. I'm Sylvia Cunningham. Be sure to tune in next Saturday. Have a great week.